back to another edition of the B8 Sales Kennel Kelp Holistic Healing Hour with your host and moderator, me, Grandpa Bill. Welcome, one and all. Some of you via invitation. Uh, thank you for that. When you get here to hear this, it's actually being taped on the 19th. So when you all hear it, it is out and about there, obviously, or you wouldn't be able to hear it. But as of taping, it will be released on the 20th. So for some of you, I usually do a prelude show about my guests. Shame on me. I wasn't able to squeeze one in today. So I'm going to segue right into the bio as it is stated in the Podmatching Studio in just a moment. And I'm going to advance. You know where I was graced with meeting my soon-to-be next guest here is to the top of the podcast uh, Podmatch Arena page to start to read the particulars there which intrigued me to reach out to my guest today, Chelsea Carswell, and verbatim there, meaning herself, as I say this, my goal is to raise human collective consciousness one episode at a time. And then as you progress down through the Podmatch page, I want to mention the guest tags for today's show. They encompass abundance, alternative healing techniques, Ayahuasca experience, if she wants to expand upon that when she gets started, energy healing, gratitude, inner child work, shadow work, spiritual growth, spirituality, and subconscious reprogramming. For those of you that do follow my show, my two church mice, Peter and Paul, daily, I know they're there, I tease a little bit. You know that we talk a lot about some of the subjects, thus is why it also intrigued me to reach out to Chelsea. So continuing in the Podmatch Arena, her biography, as it's stated verbatim there, Chelsea Cora is an intuitive healer, tarot reader, podcaster, speaker, and divine messenger. In 2018, she had a spiritual awakening that led her to leaving behind toxic relationships, alcoholism, a myriad of negative mindset slash behavior patterns, and eventually her job as a stripper. She is passionate about helping people transform their lives from the inside out and awaken to the limitless reality that is available to us as spiritual beings. In our call to action, my audience, her audience, new audiences, ubiquitous audience, one and all, please do take the opportunity to go to www. ChelseaCora.com and also Instagram page www.instagram.com backslash I am Chelsea Cora and then another backslash. The Soulful, I'm sorry, the Soulful Self Podcast. You can find that at www.buzzsprout.com and I think this is a perfect segue to have my next guest in studio here. Tell us a little bit more about herself. Chelsea, welcome, and thank you for being here. And please do tell us all about Chelsea and everything that Chelsea does and how she does it. And thanks again for being here and taking my invitation to do so. Welcome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Grandpa Bill. It's great to be here and to share some of myself and my story with your audience and to come together for this collaboration today. So you mentioned a lot in my bio, but basically I am somebody who has gone uh, undergone a tremendous personal transformation within the past couple of years. 
And so that's probably what's special about me or what's most influential in the work that I do today. So basically, it started with a journey of getting sober around 2018. But before that, I had been, like you said, working at a strip club for two years and had a series of toxic relationships and was just overall not living a life that was very fulfilling, happy, or in line with my highest potential. And so I had this breaking point moment where I decided to start going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. And from there, things really started to change for me because I had a spiritual awakening. So I started to connect with a higher power, something outside of myself, this kind of greater cosmic life force that is the universe. And things started to change. And I started to question my own identity, my own ego. And I had what is commonly referred to as an ego death, which is when all of these stories of who I thought that I was in this life, you know, our ego is kind of like our self image or our identity. And it's based on our relationship to the things outside of us, who our family is, what kind of job we have, what school we go to or went to or didn't go to, you know, all of these things. And they kind of make up this self image of who we think we are in this universe. But what happened was I, I read a, a beautiful book by Eckhart Tolle called A New Earth. And he kind of breaks this whole ego thing down. And I started to ask the question, well, who am I underneath that? You know, is there a truth that's much deeper than the small self? And so I remember laying in bed one night and I just had this experience where this whole picture of who I thought I was didn't feel very close to me anymore. And I didn't feel like I was really anybody. And it was pretty scary, but it was also very fascinating and uh, shifting for me. And so from there, I was going to Alcoholics Anonymous and I did continue my job at the strip club for another two years, but this time I was a sober stripper and that was a much different experience. But what I started to realize is that, you know, I, I needed to find a way to heal on a deeper level because when I was going to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had basically traded out my previous coping mechanisms of drugs and alcohol for healthier coping mechanisms of going to meetings and calling my sponsor, but they were still coping mechanisms nonetheless. And so what I what they were helping me cope with was uh, severe emotional instability that I had suffered for most of my life, depression, thoughts of suicide, continuing to engage in toxic relationship patterns such as codependency, um, or you know volatile arguments and those sorts of things. And basically every month I was kind of having another existential crisis because these coping mechanisms of going to meetings and calling my sponsor, just like my previous set of coping mechanisms of drugs and alcohol, were starting to wear off or run their course. And so I knew that I needed help. 
outside of the program of AA. And that's when I started going to talk therapy and a similar pattern ensued where my therapist was giving me more coping mechanisms that worked until they didn't. And then I started seeing a life coach and the same thing happened, more coping mechanisms that worked until they didn't until I was at a breaking point moment in my life where I realized, okay, either I'm going to have to go on psychiatric medication, which is something that I had already done a couple of times in my life, or I'm going to find a way to heal this once and for all, because I was reading spiritual literature at the time that talked about how you can heal from anything, how you can co-create whatever reality you want for yourself and how there is a God within all of us. And I wanted it to be true for me too. And somewhere along the way, I was blessed to meet an alternative healer or a shamanic healer by the name of Kim Pence, who started to explain to me what is trauma. And so the way that she described it is that trauma is an unprocessed emotional experience from childhood. And it could be anything that as an adult, we might look at and not think of as a big deal to some of the more explicitly universally recognized traumas like abuse and neglect and those sorts of things. And so looking back at my childhood, you know, my parents were able to make a lot of money in their career. They stayed together. I had a lot of things going on in my childhood that somebody might look at and think that these are the ingredients for a great life. Yet I still had all of these deep psychological problems because my childhood was filled with all of those, what they call small T traumas, the traumas that as an adult, you look at and don't think of as a big deal, but from the lens of a child, they're a huge deal and they impact your sense of self-worth. You know, anytime that you're not able to get a need met from a parent, which is very often in this society because we're very still, I would say, emotionally immature or unaware, then it constitutes as a trauma. Yeah. (laughs) And so she was kind of guiding me through this understanding and helping me see that it's not helpful to compare traumas to somebody else, right? That all of our experiences are valid and all of our traumas can have insidious effects in our adulthood. And so uh, really all of my depression, my anxiety, my emotional instability and any other dysfunctional pattern that I was displaying had a direct link to a trauma that I experienced as a child. And so she started taking me on these guided meditative journeys to uncover and heal these instances in childhood where I was wounded, um, where I was acting out from in my adulthood without ever consciously realizing it. And so what this did for me was it got to the root of my issues because the 12-step program, the therapy, the life coaching were all attempts to address my issues on the conscious level rather than the subconscious or unconscious levels, which is where they actually reside. So working with her, I was able to get to the root and literally transform myself from the inside out, which in turn transformed the life that I was creating for myself. You know, I eventually ended up leaving my job at the strip club. I moved to a new city. I got out of the relationship that I had been in and I just started a whole new life where eventually I, under the mentorship of the healer who I worked with, I started being able to offer a similar type of healing work to other people who are struggling, perhaps unknowingly, with the effects of their own unresolved trauma. 
So that's kind of where I'm at and what I do today. So I do one-on-one sessions and then I also am building a career as a public speaker. But I'm happy to answer any questions that come. Yeah, I have, thank you. Thank you for that. And that was a great expose. Thank you for familiarizing us wherever we are. And we hope there's some folks here that do know you and all facets in between. So for those of us that haven't been blessed to meet you yet, that was a great segue. So a couple of quick questions from that. And all to your comfort zone and in, in, in totally respecting your privacy and what have you, whatever you're comfortable with. But if I can ask, was alcohol prevalent in your family tree or not? Okay. Okay. Yes. And the main, re- and the main reason I asked, me too. And I'm, I'm an alcoholic too. So that was another reason why I reached out to you. Then another question during... When you said you had the the revelation, if it was one night in in sleep or or, or in your bed, was that indeed at that juncture a spiritual revelation right then and there at that time? And and were you heavily a spiritual person coming up as a child, family, and what have you? Yeah, thanks for the question. So I think it was definitely a very big spiritual experience for me. And it was unlike anything that I had ever experienced. So in my family, we kind of touted the label Methodist Christian without ever really practicing it too much. You know, I Got think it. we we went Got through it. a phase in my family where yep. they were taking us to church, but that's about it. And so I didn't have much of a foundation with either religion or spirituality until I really came into the program of AA, which is where they encourage you to explore a relationship with it, whatever that means to you. Correct. And did it did it manifest itself as an oversoul, an angel uh, uh, or, or any of that? Or you just had the realization like within yourself or did you feel as though? It was a voice or an angel or a guardian or not to put words in your mouth, not to put, but to to have an understanding of how it did manifest for you within that realization, if I'm making any sense of my questions. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back to the idea of the ego, right? Okay, please do. The way that Eckhart Tolle describes it in his book, A New Earth, is Personal interjection, personal interjection, one of the best authors to go to in that category, in my humble opinion. Continue, continue. Yeah, I agree for sure. And so, you know, he says it's our self-image. It's it's the way that we define who we are. And so it starts when we're very young age, like a toddler, right. you know, and, and we, let's say that we have a toy or some sort of possession. So I know, I now know who I am because of my connection to this thing outside of me. You know what I mean? And so, I I so that's where it starts. You start to differentiate yourself from all of the things that are external around you and your connection to those things. And it kind of compounds on itself as time goes on, as you start to have more experiences in the world and you start to gain a set of preferences. And so all of these things about who you are, right, how I define Chelsea is based on these experiences that are essentially my relationship to things outside of me, right? And so what Eckhart Tolle asks the reader to do is to kind of separate yourself from those things just for a minute and step into the the viewpoint of the observer 
and see what it feels like to be identified with that rather than this definition of who you think you are. And so when I started to do that, I had this big uh, revelation that, you know, I'm, I'm, I had this experience of not no longer being all of those stories and experiences that comprise who I thought I was. And I was, I stepped into the experience of something that was beyond all of that. And so I wouldn't say that it was an angel or any other entity coming to me. It was more like my, my sense of who I thought I was dissolved into the great beyond for a very short period. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. It makes perfect sense. And thank you for that. So again, to your comfort zone and privacy and what have you. Stripping, did you feel as though you got coerced into the industry or not necessarily or to your comfort zone? How did that come about, if you will? (laughs) So, no, I don't feel that I got coerced into it. It was definitely a choice. Um, Okay. Whenever I got out of a four and a half year long, highly toxic and abusive relationship when I was about right. 25, I was enjoying this newfound sense of freedom in my life. Got it. And so I had been working as a cocktail waitress at a sports bar in Houston, yep. Texas, where I was living. And I was also going to school full time. And the the way that I experienced the culture of stripping was something that was pretty glamorized and intriguing. And I had been to a strip club when I was 18. And I remember kind of being in awe of how all these women and people came to this place and were just freely putting their sexuality on display. That was something that I had never been exposed to. I think sex was something that was not talked about and even repressed in my own upbringing. Yet it was something I was always intrigued by. And so I was drawn to the strip club for those reasons, as well as the very practical promise of making a lot of money. Right. Um, And you can definitely make a lot of money. I mean, and and I don't mean anything by that, but you, you certainly can. You certainly can continue. Yeah. And so I think I was a little naive when I started working there. You know, I thought that all I would have to do was get topless on stage and then everybody was going to shower me in one dollar bill. And if you will, everybody was going to be a good boy in the audience. Right. And that necessarily isn't the case always. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot more that goes into it. You know, there's it's important to have charisma, have sales skills, and a lot of things that were way out of my comfort zone at the time. But, you know, I quit my job at the sports bar and I just felt determined, like I'm going to somehow make this work. And drinking alcohol on the job was a big (laughs) supporter. It it, it can give us all a false sense of security. Those that have been there and done that, that's for sure. (laughs) Alcohol. Continue, continue. Yeah, so it, it escalated an already problematic drinking habit for me. Right. And, and of course, in that environment with no aspersions, but the obvious, I mean, you're in the proverbial pharmacy under that premise, if you will, right? Right? Mm-hmm. So if one has an issue with it, and, you know, those environments only fan that fire and all of that kind of crazy stuff, do you figure it all out? So you are in a stupor in many instances, literally and figuratively, even when you think you're not. That's the insidiousness. Mm -hmm. 
two two people that experience that can talk that way, everybody, because we're not insulting each other. We understand each other. It's it's a, it might be. I mean, drugs. You know, all of them. They're all crazy and all of that. But if alcohol isn't the most insidious one, it's definitely right in the running for for sure. But continue, continue. So you were a young lady of eight. Teenish when you started in the uh, industry? Oh, I started working there when I was 25. 25. Okay. So a little bit later on down the road, but you were, you were in college. You already said that you were already in college and started to do your endeavors and study. Now I know that now flashing forward, you go on speaking tours and the whole bit. If indeed you wanted to go that route where you've, you know, come along as we speak, continue wherever you want to continue on the soldier. Yeah, so I kind of just reached a breaking point with that whole lifestyle uh, after two years into it. Yep. I decided to go to Las Vegas, Nevada yep. on a weekend trip with a gentleman who I met at the strip club. And this was my first time ever embarking on such an endeavor. You know, it's not it's not Correct. an uncommon it's not an uncommon arrangement in the industry, but it was my first time. Correct. And so I was there to more or less fulfill a fantasy girlfriend type of role, which I got very tired of after one day. And so I remember I was in one of the casino floor bathrooms and I had a breakdown, you know, it was after a night of drinking and other party favors. And I was just looking at myself in the mirror and I was crying and I didn't recognize whoever was staring back at me in that reflection. And right. I knew that I had to make a change. And so I decided to leave that night and take a red eye flight back to Houston. And the very next morning I went to an AA meeting and I stayed yep. sober from then on. Wow. So that was the proverbial push, if you will, that definitely got you to get things going. And luckily, you know, no aspersions on anybody, but luckily that all turned out safely. Yes. Also. One never know. I mean, one one never know. One never never knows. You know. Yeah. And I'm, sure, <laughs> and I'm sure you know of some real horror stories within yeah. the industry. I'm I'm sure. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So thank God everything turned out safely. And and that revelation or whatever that got you there, that's awesome. So now where would that have been time frame? What a few years ago? The Vegas situation? Yeah, that was um in August of two thousand eighteen. Okay. Yeah. So you're broaching uh So five years. Yeah, five years, solid, rock solid. So that's great. So where are you at now? Tell everyone how, you know, what you're doing and how you're doing it now on your own and with the business and so forth, please. Sure. So like I said, you know, after that, I had the whole coping mechanisms journey and then ended up being able to heal my trauma at the root level, which led to a lot more changes in my life, you know, because I continued working at the strip club for two more years after that, but right. I was sober. And so that was a unique experience, but it's I'll still two, set, two sets of different eyes for sure. For sure. Seeing oh, yeah. it all. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. continue. Yeah. And so then, you know, I, 
got out of that at some point and started to build my business, having one-on-one sessions with clients who are also committed to doing their inner work and essentially transforming their own realities from the inside out to one that matches something that is more aligned with their soul rather than with this wounded ego. Because most of us are creating from the wounded ego without even realizing it. Yeah. And so it's a gift to be able to offer that to people. And then I'm also building a public speaking career. So you've been on my website, which is actually newly redone, where I kind of showcase some of the the speaking that I have done. And of course, I'm looking to do more. So if you or anyone else knows a place, an organization, an association that would benefit from hearing my message, please reach out to me. Let me know. Please do it for my own folks, for sure. Reach out to her direct by all means, by all means. But for whatever reason, if you need to leave me a message at the message board at the shows to get it to her for whatever reason, I would be more than happy to do that. But do reach out to herself. Continue. Yeah, I mean, so that's kind of where I'm at now. I was able to really, you know, what I believe is that the law of attraction is real and that we are always co-creating our own reality. And that we are always attracting to us in the form of experiences, people, places, and things, what is an energetic match to who we are. And so a lot of popular manifestation rhetoric will concentrate on this idea of, you know, visualizing the, the life that you want, visualize the things that you want to attract to you. And while that absolutely works, there are also a lot of subconscious layers that are an energetic match to the life that we are already attracting. Whatever we like or don't like about it, it's an energetic match to so true. You know, ourselves. And so I like to think of it as the, the popular psychological imagery of a, an iceberg, right? Where only the tip is above the water and the rest of right. it is completely submerged, right? And so that tip, that 5% is our conscious mind. And then the 95 or so percent that is submerged is our subconscious and unconscious mind. And so if we're trying to consciously call in with that 5%, the new car, the perfect relationship, the beautiful home, whatever it is, right? Then right. But 95% of our energy is sending out a different energetic signal to the universe. It's more likely that whatever's coming to us is a result of that lower 95%, you know? And so in order to change our energy and change our life, I believe it's necessary to go inside to discover and alchemize whatever resides in those subconscious and unconscious layers. And that was the experience that I have had in my journey. And so once I was able to uncover and heal and alchemize the sort of baggage inside of my own subconscious, then I became an energetic match to a much more abundant and happy life that is continuing to unfold, but basically having a better uh, living situation. You know, I, I live in a nice apartment in a beautiful city where I'm closer to nature than I ever was before. And I have a an amazing partnership with somebody who mirrors a lot of the work that I've done, you know, and so it's, it's a beautiful life. And I attribute it 100% to 
doing my inner work. And so if there's one message I could give to anybody, it is that it's absolutely worth it to to do your inner work and doing the inner work can look different for for everybody. You know, for me, it looked like going on these guided meditative journeys to do this um, inner child work and shadow work and subconscious reprogramming. But for somebody else, it could look like doing breath work, emotional freedom technique. You know, it could look like having a plant medicine ceremony, you know, which is something that I also was a part of my journey with the ayahuasca. Um, so did, did you indeed go to the jungles to do, to do that on the journey or was it in an office environment or what have you? Without uh, giving away trade secrets with Ayahuasca, I know that, you know, we have to be careful with those things. But did you go, did you, did you happen to go on a jungle? So, so I've had guests that have, that's, that's the only reason I asked that. Yeah, no, yeah. it wasn't quite the jungle, but I went to a beautiful retreat center here in Austin, Texas. Awesome. Awesome. Good for you. Good for you. And I love your analogy of the iceberg. And, and uh, you have no way of knowing this, but your timing is so fortuitous. We have a Tuesday coherence meeting a little bit later this evening at 6 p.m. We talk about a lot of those things, water-based, the body, the heart-brain connection and all of that. <clears throat> I'll uh, I'll actually send you a link to that sometime. You ought to check it out. We'd love to have you as a guest speaker if it was something that would you know fit your schedule or what have you. But a lot of those analogies <laughs> have come up in our conversations, so that was a beautiful one. I love the iceberg. I love I love yeah. that analogy. That's such a great. One. So, tell us a little bit more if you're comfortable in doing so about the plant base that goes with what you experience, because I I do have an audience that that's pretty interested in that, and I hope that the general audience is because. I think it brings a lot to the proverbial table in, in modern medicine moving forward. Yeah. If you'd like to expand upon that with your own pro- personal experience. Sure. So ayahuasca is a medicine that comes from the Amazon rainforest. And that's why a lot of people do go to the jungle yeah. to experience it. You know, places in Latin America where it is fully legal and accessible. And there is a long historical traditional lineage behind it. Cool. And so it's very important to be selective about who you partake in a ceremony so with. True. Because it it really opens you up to the realm of spirit. And so if you're not in good hands, when you're in that vulnerable space, then something negative can come in. And I've heard a lot of, you know, horror stories as well. But essentially, the idea is that ayahuasca is sort of this mother or grandmother spirit. You know, all plants have spirits, all inanimate objects have consciousness, right? But they all have their own unique energy. And so mother ayahuasca is a very powerful spirit. And basically, the, you know, you it should be maybe not, oh, I just, I want to experiment with Uh, hallucinogenic so let me go to an ayahuasca ceremony you know usually there's a deeper calling in place like if you feel calling to participate in this type of ceremony and I personally felt like I had been receiving that call for years ever since I was in a that really toxic and abusive relationship in my early 20s I was feeling called to ayahuasca and I was researching on the internet everything about it but I just never made it a priority to find out where or when or how I could be in a ceremony and so 
I, I reached another point in my life where that call was feeling pretty loud. And it was right after I had uh, made my arrangements to leave Houston, where I had lived for 10 years. And, right. you know, it was after I had done all of this inner work and life was getting better, but also I was in this void space. You know, I was kind of transitioning out of one life and stepping into another. And there were a lot of difficult and confusing feelings coming up within that. You know, I was leaving a partnership that I really, I really loved. Like, I really loved my partner, but deep down within me, I just knew that it wasn't right. And when I did all this inner work, my own inner compass, my own inner voice started getting louder and louder that I couldn't ignore it anymore, you know? And so I, I was making these changes in my life, following my inner truth. And so, you know, I, I left that relationship and I was pretty depressed, you know, cause I, I felt like my whole foundation was gone and, and I moved to a new city and I didn't know anybody. And so I found this incredible group called the Shamanic School of Initiation that really takes the lineage and tradition of the medicine right. very seriously. And I ended up going into a medicine ceremony with them over a weekend in October of 2021. And it was such a beautiful ceremony because they had there were music and singing these beautiful songs throughout the entire Uh, experience and really that more than anything else was what really moved me and changed me was these these people who have this incredible reverence and connection to the earth and how they honor it and how they sing about that intangible world with their songs and it actually awakened within me my own ability to sing and I started to sing after that and and I've been singing and it's pretty amazing um but I did you know sit with the medicine and receive a lot of information you know I went on this incredible experiential journey through the cosmos and I I got to see how big the universe is and how small each of our experiences is yet we seem to want to make it a big deal right everybody feels like we're not worthy unless we do something big or we're trying to be somebody and I just saw how none of that actually matters, you know? And it's just so much better to just surrender to the flow of life and just be here now, you know, just live fully in the present moment. That's why any of us even came here. Um, So it was really beautiful and refreshing in that way, but I kind of expected to have some um, possibly difficult experience because what I had learned about ayahuasca before participating in the ceremony is that it could be considered 10 years of therapy packed into one night where people are faced with their deepest fears or their most traumatic moments. And they are, and it's terrifying for some people, but they release and purge that from their body and their spirit. And the next day or after the ceremony and after integration, they feel like a, a new person. And so for me, what I, saw in the ceremony is that I already did a lot of that inner work because I had been working with the shamanic healer on a weekly basis for like the past year and a half. And so all of that trauma, I had already released it, you know, and I didn't, I didn't need to get something. You had a great great base. If you had already been working for a year, year and a half before you actually took it to the next level, that's a great base. Mm-hmm. And no explosions on anybody that jumps in both feet and does it sooner. Not my, not my point. 
by having that advantage with that shamanic guidance yeah. for that duration of time only enhances that experience. And I speak as a rookie, I've never partaken in that. We talk a lot about medicinal psilocybin, ketamine, and what have you, and it does have medicinal. And, and you know, you, you can get stuck in, hey man, 1968 under the bridge, and it's not that type of thing. It can, you know, it can be, if, like you said, if someone goes to the anticipate, hey, wow, I get to do some hallucinogenics uh, or whatever. It's all under the wrong pretense that they're entering in under that promise. If indeed they enter it under that promise. Most people, once they've had shamanic guidance and done the research and what have you, that's not why they're there. In the percentile, okay, hey, there's always, you know, somebody that does something for whatever reason. But when you get to that juncture, you have a comprehension and an appreciation and you're there for the right reasons. Same with medicinal of those aforementioned things. If you say ketamine, speaking to clubs and what have you, that's immediately what they go to, right? Cat. Oh, that's cat. That's cat. That's the date rape drug or whatever, right? No, it's not the date rape drug. It was the idiots that, you know, used it that way or what have you. So I don't, I don't want to get it off onto my tangent and I'm not on a tangent, but there's such a misunderstanding about Ayahushka, it, for one, out there, out there, because we make presuppositions without doing the homework sometimes. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, not to rush you, but I think this might be a little bit fun and, and maybe something to your discretion. As I said in the green room, I love all of your questions that you were prepared to answer. Do you want to throw some out that you encounter in your practice that are general questions or what have you, just to get the proverbial ball rolling? I'd like to have you back sometime. There's a proverbial maybe method to my madness. I do a lot of polls and surveys at my shows, and I'm trying to intrigue more interaction, <laughs> audience, <laughs> on suggestions of having guests back to maybe do live Q&A which takes some legwork sometimes because we want to make it worth your while to do so. So what I would love to have you do is what is some of the, uh, you know, with no Mr. or Mrs. Smith protecting anonymity and all that, what's some of the general questions that people are asking you when they seek you out? About yourself and how you, the business and Ayahashka, you know, what kind of questions are you getting? Yeah, so... When I work with clients, um, it's kind of like sessions are about 90 minutes, give or take. And once we get into the session, we'll usually spend the first portion just talking. And I'll ask them to tell me about themselves and what's going on in their life at the time. And really, like, what kind of issues are coming up, you know? Um, what kind of things that they're being triggered by, having trouble moving through, what kind of patterns are they wanting to get out of. And so the word trigger is pretty important because a trigger is any emotional response to a situation where the emotional response is much bigger than what the situation itself actually warrants you know and so an example that i like to give are let's say that somebody is in a domestic partnership they live with their partner and their partner said that they would be the one to always take out the trash 
that's like their responsibility, let's say, or maybe right. for that month or however they're working it out. And then you come home and you see that the trash is full, it's overflowing, the, the partner did not hold up their end of the deal. And so if you have a trigger around this area, which means a trigger is really pointing us to a deeper area of our psyche right. that needs healing, then you might have a pretty big emotional response. You know, you might see that and you might feel very hurt. Like, and you might have a lot of stories behind that. Like my partner uh, is not committed to this relationship. They don't want to hold up their end of the bargain. They don't love me. You know, we start spiraling on this event and somebody who does not have a trigger around this would just be like, okay, they didn't, they must have forgot to take out the trash. Maybe, I forgot it this week, sorry, or whatever. Maybe I'll remind them, or maybe I'll just take it out, whatever, it's not a big deal, right? right? And so somebody who is willing to do their inner work and trace that trigger back to its root, they right. might find an experience where their parent wasn't showing up for them and didn't do the thing that they said they were going to do. And so that created an unprocessed emotional wound within them that through inner child work or different means that traverse the conscious subconscious barrier can be remedied. Right. And so these are the types of things that I work with with my clients. And I mean, everybody is going to have a different experience or issue that they're coming to. Absolutely. It could be it could be, you know, dealing with some type of addiction, whether it's love addiction or food addiction, or maybe they are also in there's the a problem. lot of addictions. There's a it's lot a of addictions. Yeah, or even just having a general sense of unfulfillment and knowing that right. they have a higher potential than the life that they might currently be living, but maybe feeling right. like the distance between where they are right now and where they want to go is so far, it feels impossible. You know, it's just any of these things are things that um, I'm happy to to help with and to offer my presence and my knowledge and the tools that I have that have helped me. So if someone visits your website, obviously they'll get a little bit more interested with who you are, how you do it and what you do. Is there anything there at the website that you particularly want to highlight? It's all great. It's all great. But is there anything that you feel as though, Hey, Mr. And Mrs. John Q public, if you go to the site, please don't miss any of it, but don't miss this part. If yeah, there's a, well, yeah, please. Sure. If, if you go to my website, you'll see the main pages dedicated to uh, my professional speaking business. Correct. But there's a tab at the front next to my picture that says healing. So if right. you're interested in getting a session with me or just learn more about the stuff I've been talking about, then you can click that button and it will take you to the page that uh, goes into more detail about that and the one-on-one -on -one services that I offer. It's a very user-friendly site. I wanted that. I'm glad that you said that. I was trying to trying to lead you a little bit to, to tell us about your own website, but it is. It's very user-friendly, and uh, sometimes that's not the case. No aspersions on anybody. Sometimes it's not the case, and that can defray from some really valid information. Sometimes it's just a website thing or a software thing or whatever, and you can lose somebody quickly for all the wrong reasons. So it's great that it is very user-friendly and informative. So here's the part that I love to do as we do segue out the world as it is right now. Lots of people, you know, confused. There's a lot of theater out there, a lot of stuff going on in the world. 
what, what, what would you say to everybody to, you know, just uh, over the next few years, how to observe, stay in focus and so forth? What would be your advisement to folks that might be, you know, a little perplexed, upset, challenged, whatever the situation well, would be for them now? That's a tough one. That's yeah, a tough one. But a, what would you say overall, you know, yeah, as you so, see it, as you see it? Okay. I would say that there's no shortage of anxiety provoking or peace disrupting events and experiences in the external world. But what I would invite people to do is to take time on, if possible, a daily basis to investigate your own inner world, to meditate, to sit in silence, to be with nature and absorb the incredible messages of Mother Earth, you know, um, because that within itself can be a perspective and experience shifting endeavor all by itself that I believe has the capacity to radiate and reverberate out to the whole world around us. That's that's so beautiful, and it's a lot of what we say here. We're at a precipice. I mean, we're certainly at a precipice, but it can be a precipice that a really lot of good things. You know, I, I firmly believe it. It's going to take a little tad. It's it's unfortunately not going to happen next Wednesday at three o'clock or whatever. It's just not. But I think that if we all ride a little bit of turbulence, and there definitely will be some. Stay focused, stay the course, because it can do so much for the planet, for sure. And I think your generations and all the generations, I have great hope for the legacy of my own. Thus is the grandpa, Monica, for my own semantics now. She'll be 16 October 1st. But all, everybody that's going to embrace this moving forward is kind of sort of your world. I'm not going to go anywhere right off quick, but it's it's your world. And it's time that um, I think the cleanup crew that's coming in behind us, I think it's great because there's a lot of cleanup to do. But when we stay monitored and focused, I think there's a lot of good that can come out of this. So I think it's a perfect place to leave it for today. And uh, I want to thank Chelsea for being here. She has an open bike to come back. I'm going to ask you to hang around just for a couple of seconds post-production here just to share with you about post-production. And so I'm going to say bye-bye to everybody, and I'm going to be right here. Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. I'll be right here waiting for you tomorrow. So we'll say bye-bye for now. Thank you. And may God bless. Peace, everybody. Thank you. Continue to pay it forward. It's the greater message with all of our audiences together. You'd be surprised what numbers will do. That's the greatest weapon against any bully. Bye-bye for now, and may God bless. Peace, everybody. That was awesome. Thank you. And hopefully you're seeing some kind of, if to refresh your memory, that does it, does it that, that's okay, but does it, it give some recording. kind of a percentile at all? Like 70% or? And usually it's incomplete. Does it say anything? Oh, no, it just says it's still recording.